Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. And this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. I'm about to kind of kick off um, this this sermon, and uh, honestly, I'm kind of anxious this morning, a little bit nervous about it for some reason, and there isn't any, I, I don't think I'm going to say anything earth-shattering, I don't think I've got, even honestly, to be honest, as I was preparing, I didn't think I had anything overly profound to say this week. Um, but for some reason this morning, I feel nervous. So I don't know, I just, I, sometimes I feel like it's important to say that. But actually, even though I speak on a very, very regular basis in front of you, my friends and my family, I believe you are my family, uh, still sometimes I get anxious. It's weird, right? It's a weird thing. Maybe I'm a little bit anxious because I'm going to try to take the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes, maybe, and just talk just generally how how God is for the world. So I'm just kind of taking on a small topic this morning, uh, that God is for the world, uh, and uh, maybe that's a little bit how I'm, I'm anxious. Um, and, uh, and honestly, I have struggled with how do I say that? How, how do I drive home this idea to us that, that via the life of Christ, the life of Jesus, he demonstrated to us, right, through his death, through his resurrection, how for the world he was. And, and actually, in doing so, he kind of sets this example for us as followers of Jesus that, that actually we are called to be global citizens. Okay? That we are actually called to be global citizens. I think that actually, as a follower of Jesus, that this isn't really something that's like an option. I just don't think that if we truly are committing our life to following Christ and the example of Christ, that actually, I, I, I just don't think not being a global citizen is actually an option. And I realize for some that's, that's really hard. And so, but, but we're actually called to love the people across the street, right? And we're actually called to be aware and to understand and to be educated on some of the other things in the world that are, that are going on, Right? And now, now, God doesn't put this on us like a, um, like a burden, okay? This isn't like, if you don't do this, that he won't love you somehow, right? But this is more like, the more deeply we come to love God, the more deeply we come to be in relationship with the person of Jesus and the example of Jesus, that actually this becomes like a byproduct, that actually the way that we see the world begins to change, and our hearts begin to be broken by the things that broke, broke God's heart and continue to break God's heart. And one of the songs we sang this morning, right, break my heart for what breaks yours, right? A dangerous, dangerous song to sing, a dangerous, dangerous prayer to sing, because, because I actually believe that, that when we pray that kind of a prayer, that God actually will be faithful to, to demonstrating that to us, to showing that to us. And, and it's on us to kind of figure out how we're going to see that, right? 
It's a byproduct of falling in love with Jesus that we might become global citizens. It's kind of like this. My wife has a, a heart for kids and adults on the spectrum. She just has a heart for them. I hear about kids on the spectrum in my house a lot, a lot. Sometimes I glance over at her uh, sitting on the couch, you know, we're watching TV and she's always got something playing and I look over and she's in tears watching something on her phone. And you know what? Pretty much nine times out of 10, it's a story of some family or some child who has autism and is on the spectrum. As I interact and I hang out with her over the last 26 some odd years, right? I, I cannot help it but to be drawn towards stories of people on the spectrum or kids with autism, the struggles that families go through, right? It's like a natural thing, right? I love her, and because I love her, some of the things that break her heart begin to break my heart. It's a natural thing. And I think that's a little bit how it works with God, right? And so this morning, we actually gonna, we're talking about here how, how God is for Haiti, right? This is one of our, our sermon series right now is how, how God is for fill in the blank. We've done for Chestamere, for right, Galilee, for Jerusalem, for a whole bunch of things, for the hurt, for the herder, right? How God is for all of these things, right? And today we come to this topic, and we, we wanted to put in for Haiti, because in a lot of ways, Haiti has shaped so many of us here at Lake Ridge. It's most definitely shaped me and, and, and changed who I am. But, but in a way, what I actually really want you to hear, which is a little bit broader than that, is that even though we're putting for Haiti here, what I would like you to hear is that God is for the world. That God is for the other, for the people whose lives don't consist of the same kinds of struggles that our lives consist of. Do, do you hear me? That actually the things that they struggle with, the governments that they live under, right? The struggle for food, the struggle for fill in the blank, right? May, may seem different than our struggle, but that doesn't make them any less close to the heart of Right? Actually, I'm going to say like a little bit more about that. I, I, I just think I have to say a little bit more about this. I think that we live in a time in history where our world is extremely polarized. It, it's not actually the first time, right? This is not the first time in history that the world has found itself uh, a lot of different countries, different things within countries being polarized. This is not the first time that this has happened in our history, right? But I do think, I do think that something has culturally changed, and that is that our culture, in particular our North American culture, has, has and is become far less impatient with others. We, we have a patience problem in our culture. We do not like to wait. And honestly, we don't, we don't either, I'm gonna say something really direct, I don't even think we like, not only do we not like to wait, I don't think we like to do the work of what it takes to listen to people who are not like us or think like us. 
That includes other countries and how they operate, but it also includes our relationship with each other in our own community, in our own city, in our own church. That actually this takes effort <laughs> to listen to somebody who is not like you, right? Who doesn't see things like you. And yet, it is actually the call that Christ puts on us to pay attention to, to love, to extend a hand of peace and kindness to people who do not like your ideology or your thoughts or your faith. Fill in the blank. That's who Jesus interacted with, people who didn't agree with him, like on a regular basis. When Jesus goes to the cross, he goes to the, he goes to the cross for people who, who are like him, who didn't see things the way that he saw things. Those, those, those are legit the people he goes to the cross for. The example of Christ is pretty profound in that, in that sort of a way. And so what is the work that we do? What does it look like for us personally to do the work? How does that work? How does that play out? And, and I'm going to steal from a U.S. president, go figure, um, on today, right? After everything that, you know, transpired even this week and yesterday, I'm going to go to a U.S. president. This one actually is a lot, a lot, a lot of years ago. It was JFK. And actually, JFK in his inauguration speech, he, he said a lot of things in that speech. Okay, it's quite a famous speech. It's the speech where he says, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. We all remember that? Right? It's kind of this profound speech on serving others. But also, in that speech, he says this other line. I listened to it this week. He says this other line that caught my, caught my ear, and he says this. We must go forward knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. Knowing that God's work must truly be our own. In other words, what he was suggesting was that to do God's work was not to just pray that God will do it and take care of it for us, but actually that it would, it would embed itself in who we are. That actually God's work would become our work. They would be so intertwined that you may not know where God ends and we begin. Crazy. It was a profound statement. Right? And, and so I, I think about that. I wonder sometimes, like, how much does my faith, my belief that Jesus was the Son of God, change the way that I think of my actions? How does my faith inform who I am, what I do, how I speak, all of those kinds of things. I, I think I forget often. I, I do. Right? Sometimes we just forget. I want to challenge you, Lake Ridge folks, to think about this, right? What are the things that you do, right, that are directly impacted by your faith beyond coming to church on Sunday morning or tuning into church on Sunday morning? How are your beliefs, your daily activities affected by the, by the belief that you have? We have a God who's died for us. Right? Just think about that. How does that work? All right. God cares a great deal about that. God calls us to do his kingdom work in the world. And you know where the work starts? You know I'm going to say this. The work always starts here. The work always starts here. With us as individuals. Right? And so this morning, I'm going to share a story now. 
And the story is a biblical story. And in, in a lot of ways, the story is about one person. But I believe that this one person example is a micro story to this much, much larger story. Okay, biblical story. The story is found uh, in, in a few of the Gospels. Actually, it's found in, in Mark 5, which Erica read for us. It's found in Matthew 9. It's found in Luke 8. You can read any of them. Find any of them. Okay? And, and, and here's where I want to start. I want to start by saying the healing stories are always multifaceted. Okay? So when Jesus did healings, he never just did them with one facet in mind. Okay, almost every one of the healing stories has this like unique thing that's taking place, right? It's always actually meant to teach us that God is profoundly interested in restoration. Okay, that's the first thing. God is always interested in restoration. Okay, it's the first thing. And then, and then here's what goes in the subcategories under the big theme of restoration. Okay, here's the first one. It has to do with the physical health of the person, physically, their body, right? To be honest with you, I think that the physical healing of this woman's body, but other stories, is, is simply to get the attention of the community. I don't think it's as much to do <laughs> with relieving, right, the individual's pain, even though he does that. The second thing is that there is a much greater spiritual reality that's taking place in this individual. I think that's actually far more what Jesus is interested in when it comes to himself and the woman or anyone else that he heals in any of the other biblical stories that you read, okay? He's profoundly interested in the spiritual connection. And then the last thing, which is often very subtle, but it's really, really important when you understand the context in which sermons, or in which Jesus lived in. And that was that, that people connected, right? The physical, the spiritual, to how that person fit in the community that they were in. Right? So, so these three things are taking place. We've got the physical, kind of meant to catch the attention of people. We've got the spiritual, meant to restore the actual individual. And then we've got the community. And that Jesus makes intentional point of restoring this people to their communities. It's, it's really important. Now for me, Haiti is a good example of kind of what that looks like. Right? I, I, I have had the chance to be shaped and changed by so many Haitians, I can't even get up here and, and, and describe to you what, what that's looked like. Like, for sure, I have gone to Haiti, like Kevin said, to, to, to change the world, to bring all the things I know, right, to, 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 to make their life better, to make their life easier, right? I've, I've helped to feed people. I've helped to provide medical care for people. We've built things there. We've built hospitals there. We've dug ponds there. We've, we've, we've helped kids go to school. We've, we've done all of those things, Right? And so, from the exterior, it probably looks like, right, I have helped significantly towards the healing and restoration of Haiti, right? But when I think about what's really happened on my trips to Haiti, 
what I see is that I have been shaped so profoundly that it is almost difficult for me to put words to how my experiences there have changed me. I mean, that's why I'm a little bit nervous because I actually don't think I can do justice to, to what my trips to Haiti have done in me and how they've shaped me and changed me and shaped the way that I see the world, the way that I experience life here in this community, even how I choose to lead here in this way. It's almost like the words and the stories I would attach are just so holy to me that it's hard for me to speak them. I want, I really badly want to convey how profoundly my life has been changed, but it's extremely difficult to put words to it. And, and, and I feel like I won't do justice to my Haitian friends, and, and that's really, really hard, right? I have seen Jesus there. Not only has my worldview has been changed, but, but my knowing of God has changed. You hear me? Because of my trips and my experience and my relationships with folks in Haiti, my, this is my knowing of God is different. My knowing of God is different. So this is a story from Mark 5, right? Jesus heals, and he's actually on his way to a bigger healing. Okay, so, so just to grasp this story, Jesus is on his way to a bigger healing. Uh, there's somebody's died, and he's going, well, they've fallen asleep, Okay. And he's going to go there, and he's going to take care of this thing. And so, so in a way, this healing of this woman on the road is actually kind of like a, it's on the road, so I, this is, it's like a drive-by healing, okay? It's like what's happening, okay? And, and, and so this crowd, right, is, 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 is observing Jesus and walking with Jesus. And this woman, she sees that this guy is going by. We can assume that she knows something about him, right? Not everything about him. This is not a well-learned person, Really? Right? But, but, but this group is walking by, and she knows something, something about, about this Jesus guy. Right? The, the issue she has is an embarrassing one. It's a women's issue, and it's a very, very embarrassing issue. It hasn't gone away for 12 years. 12 years it hasn't gone away. 12 years. Right? Culturally, because this issue, this particular issue, culturally deemed this woman unclean. It deemed her unclean in the community that she was in. Right? Now here's something for you. When somebody was unclean, they couldn't touch them. Family didn't touch them community didn't touch them, this lady very, very possibly hadn't been touched, physically touched, in 12 years. Now, I haven't uh, really enjoyed this whole pandemic thing. It's actually been really, really challenging to interact with people I love, not be able to shake, shake a hand, you know, or give a hug. I know that some of you have described this to me, how difficult this is. And it, here is this woman who, who quite literally has likely not been touched in 12 years. Can you imagine? Just imagine what's, what that's done to her. 
right? Forget the physical part, but the mental part of seeing yourself as unclean for over a decade like this. The community would look at you and see you in this way as well. That the community, ladies, that the community would know this issue that you have is profoundly difficult, right? 12 years waiting, 12 years no hug, 12 years no touch, 12 years in isolation and alone. We haven't even talked, actually, about the community, okay? And, and, and what, what the community would have come up with about why she had this issue, right? Like, typically, I, I'm all for imagination. I actually think imagination is awesome. It's, it's a creative outlet. It's the thing that makes churches come to life in places, right? Creativity is profoundly a God kind of a thing. But there's also a dark side of creativity, isn't there? And that is that we get to, they get to, make up all the reasons why God would not have healed this woman sooner. They get to fill in all the blanks, right? Make the story juicier and nastier. They get to make this woman out to be a villain in their community. Do they mean to? Nope, I doubt it. But you know what human nature does? Like human nature is a crazy thing. Human nature is a very, very crazy thing. We actually think it will make us feel better if somehow we can determine why this woman deserves it. Do you hear what I'm saying? It happens in our own community as well, right? That if we can make up a reason why somebody deserves what they get, then somehow, and this happens, that somehow it, we internally feel like it helps us deal with our own tension around the fact that some things, really bad things happen. If we can name it, if we can put a name to it, somehow it makes us feel better with not being able to answer some of the hard questions in our world. You hear me? Those who are here, do I need to say it again? Boy, we have to be careful that we're not adding things to people's stories so that we make ourselves somehow, so, so it makes it easier for us somehow to deal with the tension that comes with the unknown answers in our world. I have heard this when I hear about how people talk sometimes about Haiti, how somehow that country has done something to deserve this thing, right? doesn't make sense to me. But I've heard Christian leaders say that. Right? How does that make sense? Are we certain that there is some sort of biblical narrative that would describe that? I got to tell you what, I can't find it. I can't find it in the scriptures. I can't find it in the, in, in the scriptures. Right? And so this type of thinking, it doesn't actually make sense to me. It doesn't actually make sense to me. And you know what? Even if it did make sense, even if it did make sense, 
we are no less responsible to share the love of God with them and others. We're no less exempt from having our hearts broken by the things that break the heart of God. We're not off the hook. <laughs> Saying somebody deserves some pain and struggle that they're in does not get us off the hook as followers of Jesus as global citizens. Right? In the story, the woman believes that if she touches the hem, the hem of the cloak of this guy that's passing by, she'll be healed. She believes that. And Jesus confirms this in her story, that it is enough because it works. He confirms it because it works. Right? And here's where it gets interesting. She got healed. That's just the first part of the healing story. Just the first part. Right? Now, the second part gets really uh, messy. It gets really messy. In particular, it gets messy for the lady. And, I, and actually, I would say this. Uh, I actually do think that, that uh, we, we go through phases of growth in our life. And, and to be honest with you, if all we're trying to do is avoid the messy in our life, I'm not saying create mess. But I am saying if our goal is to avoid mess in our life, we miss the opportunity to be restored by Christ. We miss it. Because we don't believe we need it. Right? And so the messiness in your life or your story may be really difficult right now, but I do have to say, it does create opportunity for God to do the healing and restorative work that God wants to do in you and I and in our friends in Haiti and our friends across the street and our, in our world. Messiness doesn't need to scare us into hiding. And, and in this case, Jesus doesn't allow it, and this is the story, he does not allow this lady to be healed and disappear. In fact, he does this kind of crazy thing. It's, it almost seems when you're reading it that it's like not kind, right? And, he, and, and there, there's some humor in this story. Like I can't, I can't do this any other way than in a Monty Python way. But, but power goes out and Jesus says, who touched me? Right? That's what he's like. I, for like over a decade, that's how I hear his accent in this story. It's, it's almost a curse sometimes. But, but I, and so I'm just passing it on to you. You know, now you're never going to read this story again. Who touched me? I, I felt power go out. What happened? Right? And everybody's like, well, there's a lot of people around here. Could have been anybody. Let's keep going to, say, to the real show. Save the girl. The little girl. Right? And Jesus says, No. I felt power go out. I'm waiting. And he waits. And eventually, the woman's overcome. She comes forward. It actually says she fell on her knees. And she, what'd she do? She told the truth. She told the truth. And she tells him what's happened. Right? She tells him what's happened. Right? And we see the heart of God. We see the heart of God in this story. Right? As the whole truth is revealed, she was restored. And she was restored not only physically, but also spiritually. Because he confirms to her and says, you're right. Your faith has healed you. And then he restores her in her community and he says, peace now go. 
He includes everybody in the story of restoration. It's not just an individual restoration. It is a community restoration. And the woman gets to be, for risk of sounding awkward, she gets to be touched by those in her community. And I say that in the most holy, beautiful sort of way. To be embraced, to be hugged, to be cared for in every sense of the word. Wow. Right? Wow. What I see in Haiti is the restoration of a people. And I'm going to let actually Dr. Mono finish this. Uh, story. We're going to share a quick video of Dr. Mano sharing a story. But the kindness that I have seen, the generosity that I have seen in Haitian people, the compassion that I have seen, their faith, their resilience, it reminds me honestly of what the kingdom of God looks like when I can't see it here in my own culture. And sometimes it's hard to see it here in our own culture, isn't it? But God is at work. God is doing what he is doing. Sometimes stepping out of our culture to experience another gives us an even healthier perspective of our own, right? And that's part of the reason why I encourage people to go and why Dr. Mono uh, encourages people to go. Dr. Mono is uh, a, a man that we have known for about 25 years. I think I've known him a long time. Uh, he is not Jesus, um, but he does do Jesus' work. And uh, he's going to share a, a two-minute victory story. And I think there's some pretty significant parallels to this story. And so let's just watch it. It's, it's like literally two minutes long. And then I'll come back and just, and just wrap this up for us. So she's mislead, and I consider her one of my victory. Uh, when I call victory, is an event that would encourage me in what I'm doing. So in a mobile clinic, she was brought to the clinic. She was really skinny, just bones. And someone that knew her uh, told me, oh, no, no need to, to waste my time with her. She got AIDS. That's the reason she's so skinny. And other person said, no, it's not just AIDS. She didn't give offering to the devil. She's been cursed. And then when I saw her, I examined her. She was diagnosed with high blood sugar. She's diabetic. And I said that, I don't think you got AIDS. It's just diabetic. And I promise you, you will be okay. Actually, she didn't believe me. And after treatment, she become okay. And the good side of it for me was she has no family, she's not married, no kids. She was living with, with friends and she was a burden to them, being sick. And now she's no longer sick and another healthy neighbor invited her to come live with them. And when I said, why do you do that? She said, well, she told me that there's a clinic that takes care of her disease, that she doesn't need help to get her medicine. So they were happy, they're happy to have her living with them and she's happy living with them and she got her medicine secured. And that's my story. Yeah, some pretty significant parallels there, right? <laughs> yeah, it's significant. All right? Friends, we need to be a community that's committed to restoration. 
not just restoration in our own city, but we need to be, be global citizens that are thinking about what does it mean for us as followers of Jesus to be people of restoration because our Jesus is profoundly interested in that, right? Our community, in a sense, needs to be brought into our house, right? Who do you believe in your life needs to be free, <laughs> right? In every sense of the word, who needs to be free? And then, and then I want to end this. As you make your list, as I make my list, as you make your list, make sure you put your name at the top. We all need freedom from certain things, don't we? It's foolish to say that we don't. <laughs> we have a God who's profoundly interested in restoration. We have a God that can heal us physically, spiritually, and can restore us to our community. So if you're watching online, and this is for my online people, if you're watching online and you're not coming because you're afraid that you will not be accepted in this place, now I want to tell you, you will be. Because we're going to do everything we can to make this place a safe place for you to come into this place and experience the restoration of God through his community. Amen? Amen. Do you stand and receive the benediction? So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace as you go from this place, knowing that you are a child of God. Amen? Have a great week. Thanks for listening.